Hi everyone, I'm Gary Knoll. Nice to have you with us today. This is a unique program today. Very short health and nutrition, but very important information that can help save lives and extend lives. But then the balance of the program will be devoted to an interview with Dr. Naomi Wolf, one of the leading feminists of the third, uh, third movement. We're going to talk about vaccine passports and other things involving the vaccines. You'll have a chance at the end of that interview, whenever it ends, to call in. Let me give you some numbers now so that I won't have to do it a little later. To call in and share your thoughts, our number is 888-874-4888. That's 888-874-4888. To download the program later, we have an archive number. 631-359-9463, And of course, if you're interested in any of the things involving the retreat, anti-aging study, Luann Panessi's number is 903-881-7008, 903-881-7008. Now the latest on health and healing. Higher selenium levels is associated with improved breast cancer survival. This is from a medical university in Poland, published in the peer-reviewed journal Nutrients. And it simply means that if you look at the 10-year survival among women diagnosed with breast cancer, if you've been taking 200 micrograms of selenium each day, you're going to live a longer life. That's good news. So make sure you're getting your selenium. But then also realize if something can help extend the life of someone who's had treatment, why not use it to prevent the disease in the first place? University of Southern California and UCLA and the University of Georgia all did a study that was published in Translational Psychiatry that shows the more sugar you use in your diet in early life, you know, up through your, let's say, 20s, this is going to mean more memory trouble later in life. It's just that simple. We're just having too much sugar, too many refined carbohydrates. We're having an overload upon our pancreas that secretes insulin. And that's bad at every level. So the science is in. It's not in question. Lower your sugar because it will impact your memory and that comes from your hippocampus. It adversely affects the hippocampus. So, simple advice. Also, from Boston University School of Medicine, published in the Journal of the American Heart Association, <clears throat> exercise and a healthy plant-based diet in your mid-years, let's say you're 35 to 45, 50, that's your mid-years, that can help prevent serious health conditions in your senior years. Just eat more fruits and vegetables, more fresh juices, and then exercise. And you can add anywhere from 5 to 15 years onto your lifespan. Simple advice. Easy to do. Inexpensive. So it also lowers your risk of metabolic syndrome by 51%. And patients who are any participant, not a patient, who adheres to this dietary guideline had 33% lower odds of ending up with heart conditions. So, and you 
you can live much healthier with a normal metabolism. Also, when you eat your cruciferous vegetables, broccoli, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, asparagus, kale, mustard, radishes, you're getting a nutrient called sulforaphane. Now from Seoul, Seoul National University in South Korea, it's shown that it protects against neurological diseases. Now that would mean Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, multiple sclerosis, ALS, against all of them. In fact, several clinical trials are in progress to study the effects of diverse types of cruciferous vegetables and sulforaphane on prostate cancer, breast cancer, lung cancer, atopic asthmatics, skin aging, dermatitis, etc. So one of the reasons why we need to be eating our cruciferous vegetables every day. And also from UCLA comes a study about curcumin, C-U-R-C-U-M-I-N. It's been found to outperform pneumococcal vaccines in protecting infants. Well, this is something. So are they going to say we don't need those vaccines and start giving children healthier diets, including curcumin? That would be the right thing. So what we have to do is we have to take an honest look at children between the ages of 2 and 12 months, and they require up to four shots of pneumococcal conjugate vaccine, or PCV. Now research finds that substance in turmeric, known as curcumin, can outperform the vaccine in providing long-lasting protection against potentially deadly lung damage in infants. Just so you know, pneumococcal bacteria are the most common cause of bacterial infections in children and a frequent cause of infections in adults. Infection starts in the nose or throat, where it may persist for weeks or months. Pneumococcal infections are also the most common complication of seasonal influenza. So, the researchers, Los Angeles Biomedical Research Institute at UCLA, use, using disease models, found curcumin provided long-term protection against the damage caused by inadequate lung function. And uh, this was published in the American Journal of Physiology, Lung, Cellular, and Molecular Physiology. And it found curcumin provided protection against bronchial pulmonary dysplasia, a condition characterized by scarring and inflammation, and against a, a hyperoxia in which too much oxygen enters the body through the lungs. So it's just terrific. So we can now help one of the most common chronic lung diseases of infancy and without the vaccine, according to this study. Very important. Also, it helps uh, Duke University found that more than 50 in studies on turmeric's effect in addressing Alzheimer's disease. In arthritis, turmeric contains more than two dozen anti-inflammatory compounds that can impact if you have arthritis and help you. With cancer, there's a, a journal in fact, it's a handbook. It's called Phytochemicals, Mechanisms of Action. 200 scientific citations for turmeric and cancer, and more than 700 for curcumin and cancer. In weight loss, it helps with uh, uh, stalling the spread of fat tissue and inhibiting new blood vessel growth called angiogenesis. That's what helps build fat tissue. 
in Parkinson's, a team of researchers now demonstrated that slow wriggling alpha uh, nuclein proteins are the cause of clumping or aggregation, which is the first step of diseases like Parkinson's. So that's good. And also, well, it helped everything. It helps fibro uh, cystic fibrosis. It can help effectively treat skin cancer cells. Turmeric can help to prevent the spread of breast cancer cells. So we should be looking at that. And also, finally, from the University of California at San Francisco, if you're going to be depressed for any reason, you're going to increase cellular aging associated with death. That's correct. Cells from individuals with major depressive disorder were found to have higher than expected rates of methylation at specific sites on their DNA when compared to cells from healthy individuals without the major depressive disorder, according to a study. And this was a multidisciplinary team of scientists. So methylation, by the way, is a process by which DNA is chemically modified at specific sites, resulting in changes in the expression of certain genes. And methylation of particular sets of genes called DNA methylation clocks typically change in predictable ways as we age. But the rate of these changes varies between people. Methylation patterns in individuals with depression, severe depression, suggest that their cellular age was, on average, accelerated, meaning your cells are prematurely aging when you're depressed. This is published in Translational Psychiatry, the current edition. That's the latest on health and healing. We're running at a little shorter version today because I want to go right to my guest. We're going to take a break and come right back. Please stay with us. I'd like to welcome all of you from all over the world and for all of our sister stations playing this. In this segment, we're going to be speaking with Dr. Naomi Wolf. The topic will be vaccine passports and the war against truth. For those of you who are not familiar with Dr. Wolf, she is the CEO of The Daily Clout, a nonprofit that enables people to see, share, and, and affect live legislative bills, which otherwise would be largely non-transparent and passed in behind closed doors. She is perhaps best known as a feminist leader, journalist, author, writing about women's rights, abortion, the Occupy movement, and the emerging totalitarianism in the United States, and more recently, the COVID pandemic. Her articles have appeared in The Nation, The Guardian, The Huffington Post, and many others. She's authored the bestseller, The End of America, A Letter of Warning to a Young Patriot, and her most recent book is Outraged, <clears throat> Sex Censorship and Criminalization of Love which retells a history of state-sponsored censorship and violations of personal freedoms by recounting the story of John Annington Simmons, a 21-year-old Oxford student with, who struggled for same-sex relationships in the mid-19th century. She graduate, graduated from Yale University as a Rhodes Scholar to attend Oxford University, where she later received a doctorate in English language and literature. In the past, she's taught at Barnard College, Stony Brook, George Washington University. Her website is dailyclout.io. Nice to have you with us today. It's so great to speak with you again. I, I would first like to step back for a moment to when you were last on the program. That, that has been about 12 years ago. Then you wrote The End of America, and you outlined the various steps towards the country becoming a tyrannical police state. 
Many others have now joined you, and people such as Chris Hedges, Henry Giroux, Paul Street, in finally opening their eyes to the very dangerous trajectory our corporatized government is leading us. And it doesn't matter who's in office and power, Democrats or Republicans. So now, about 12 years later, how would you evaluate your insights now, especially the 10th step, which is the war on truth? And second, where did you see the nation going with respect to the steps you outlined back then? As of today's perspective, we clearly saw the dictatorial characteristics in Trump, but are you observing that now with the Democrats holding the executive and legislative branches, in any way is that continuing? The forum is yours. Oh, yes, thank you. Uh, so unfortunately, so it is true that we last spoke um, 12 years ago at a brighter moment in some ways in American history. Um, I did write a book called The End of America, and that's what we were talking about then. And it spelled out the fact that when a tyrant wants to close a democracy, whether that tyrant comes from the left or the right, uh, he or she always takes the same 10 steps. And um, you see this in you know nations as diverse as as Germany in the 30s, Italy in the 1920s, um, East Germany in the 50s, uh, the Soviet Union, um, China, and you know Argentina, and so on and so on. It's 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 a methodology, and it's actually taught at school for the Americas how to close a democracy. So I did warn back in the Bush era that we were seeing each of those ten steps kind of in motion. Um, and that we needed to stop the development of them. And I continued my warnings, even though I'm a Democrat, um, during the Obama era, because things got worse in some ways. Um, and there were only a handful of progressives uh, sounding the alarm at that time when the president was droning American citizens to death, for instance, or engaging in a war on whistleblowers through his Justice Department, keeping Guantanamo open. Well, you know, certainly uh, there were dictatorial uh, events in the Trump era, uh, but sadly, um, under the guise of a what used to be a real pandemic and now looks like it's an endemic, really, uh, the coronavirus crisis or former crisis in many parts of the world, um, the a new medical tyranny, what I call biofascism, has really ushered in step 10 of these 10 steps. Um, and step 10 includes suspend the rule of law, uh, you know, introduce martial law. And that's, that's where we're at. I mean, you know, Massachusetts is under emergency law. New York State, where I'm broadcasting from, is under emergency law. California is under emergency law. This is their emergency measures across the country. Um, and, you know, around the world, Britain's been under house arrest. For months, Canadians have been just, um, you know, told they're going into another month-long lockdown in which all their rights are suspended. You know, we've seen in the United States the freedom to worship suspended. I still can't gather, you know, with more than 10 people in Massachusetts to worship uh, at a synagogue um, or a church or mosque. Uh, we've seen the right to commerce and property rights suspended. 110,000 restaurants and bars have closed their doors since the pandemic began for no scientific reason. Uh, a year of schooling has been lost for our children, though the science does not support um, them being at any heightened risk 
in a school setting. Uh, children have masks put on their faces. More and more studies are showing that this impedes their development, their social skills, their communication, uh, and poses a psychological health risk. We're seeing, you know, self-harming of, of kids, uh, suicidal thoughts and ideation among children, which has never happened before in my lifetime. So really, this is this is step 10. And, you know, I literally am, uh, and the vaccine passports, you know, to just include that, um, everything was uh, something that could be fought with democratic processes with difficulty until the ushering in of the vaccine passports, which really, um, to me as a, a CEO of a tech company, really seems like it's the, the goal of the whole uh, theater. Um, once you have the vaccine passports, there is no dissent. It's a Chinese-style social credit system, and uh, there, there's really no way out. So I've been sounding the alarm about that. It's extremely serious. Let me share a few of the stories that are not being covered by the mainstream media today. In fact, just in the last few hours. <clears throat> the first is this, quote, the covert tactics used to scare Britons into staying at home, how SAGE, S-A-G-E, document called for increasing, quote, perceived threat of COVID using, quote, hard-hitting emotional messages. Downing Street accused of using, quote, covert psychological strategies during COVID. Experts point to a document handed to SAGE as the pandemic took off last March. It allegedly said that people, quote, still do not feel sufficiently personally threatened. And this is important because this is just one example of how the people just in Great Britain, it's also true here, but now they actually have the document that was leaked that shows that a great deal of this pandemic is based upon not hard science, but rather upon psychological warfare of making people feel if they don't get the vaccine, they're a threat. And then other people feel if they've had the vaccine, that if you have not gotten the vaccine, something is terribly wrong with you and you represent a threat to them. And as one good example of that, you can see that in Israel, because Israel has now gone into that state of requiring a, uh, a green card and they're using it. And I, I played a clip from a woman who is a health leader in Israel, and she says we're treated like second-class citizens here. We have no rights. We can't go to any regular shopping center. We can only go to little tiny stores. Uh, we're excluded from all gatherings, including even in synagogue. And she said, and the world is not aware of this, that nobody knows what's happening to us. And, uh, she, and yet the world will not know based upon what is being released by the mainstream media. They're not covering this. And also, just today, The Guardian, a highly respected publication and historically a very liberal one, uh, they're saying that better get your passports. Quote, this is also from Sean O'Grady from The Independent. Quote, if you won't carry a vaccine passport, do us all a favor and stay at home. Oh We're in a war against COVID, so I'm afraid certain civil liberties will have to be curtailed. It's really not that much to ask. Oh, your thoughts, please. I mean, this is happening around the world. Uh, Israel is indeed the bellwether. It's absolutely terrifying. And, and I'm Jewish and I used to you know, live for several years in Israel. It's, it's unbelievable to me 
that a country with our history of exactly this, being singled out with yellow stars, being marginalized, being told there are only some shops you can go to, your second-class citizens, you know, that there that a, an agreement has been made with Pfizer to basically turn all of Israel into a, a laboratory, not just for forced vaccinations, which is against international law, against human rights law, uh, against medical ethics, but also uh, a, a lab for what is inevitably, literally so fast within four months, um, a lab for absolute social control in which uh, that green passport does divide uh, people into clean and unclean effectively. And, you know, I also have been hearing from activists in Israel that they're surveilled through the passport, 360 degrees, you know, around them. They uh, their their dissent is, is prohibited. And this is what I've tried to warn people. It's not, why is the passport that is being rolled out around the world digital? Why don't they just give you a card, a piece of paper? Well, it's digital because, and I, I, I've been warning people about this as CEO of a civic tech company, we create products exactly like this. Um, once you have that rollout, uh, whether you are using it or not, the app has all of your data. It knows not just your vaccine status, it knows your credit history, it knows who your friend networks are. When you meet someone at a bar and you have to swipe it, it geolocates you. So it puts together, you know, networks of dissidents, networks of activists. Um, it can, you know, quickly scan your your search history online through AI. It can um, upload every health decision you've ever made, uh, you know, your property ownership. Um, and it's also merged. Microsoft is an Oracle and Salesforce have pre presented this as a fait accompli. It's merged with Google Pay and Apple Wallet. It can easily merge with PayPal so that literally your income can be switched off and switched off on. Your access to your bank records and bank account can be switched off and switched on depending on what you say on social media. It's a seamless way to control people. And we're seeing it in, in Israel. It's not a hypothetical. Uh, and, you know, the rest of the world has to be warned about this. You know, boycotting is too late. Protesting is too late. The only way to stop this is in advance um, by banning it with legislation. And that's what, you know, my little platform is doing. Citizens at, you know, using Daily Clout as a launch pad have launched a Five Freedoms campaign to showcase model legislation state by state to ban vaccine passports in addition to other uh, other legislation to protect freedoms like no mask mandates, no emergency law, kids in school. Um, but this is absolutely urgent because there is, you know, you and I can't even have this conversation once the vaccine passports are in use in the United States, if that ever happens, because we would you know, we would be dissidents and the, the vaccine passport would add you and me to a list of bad thought people. And, you know, our kids wouldn't get into school or we wouldn't be able to go grocery shopping. Um, it's that simple. That is part of the argument. And you lay it out in a very articulate and straightforward manner. And I thank you for that. There is another part of this argument. And that is, what does the actual science portend is it being explained and shared honestly, or has a combination of political, ideological, and financial sciences 
taken over the narrative, weaponized the whole COVID epidemic to its own individual advantages. And for that, I've seen something, Naomi, that I've never seen in my entire career. And that is, historically, when we were marching against, back in the 1960s, I was marching against DDT, and then Aldrin, Heptachlor, Copper Coral 7, Agent Orange, etc., we would have maybe a handful, uh, sometimes under two or three regular scientists or medical doctors that would support any given cause. It's like everybody wasn't involved for whatever reason. But today, with the Great Barrington Declaration, you have one of the top epidemiologists at Oxford, your former alma mater, at Harvard and at Stanford come together and they said a lot of this is wrong. The pandemic is being handled wrong. We have not seen an increase in overall death. We've seen zero, not a single case of the flu in Great Britain, and yet it kills tens of thousands per year there. The same in Canada, same in the United States. Well, you can't suddenly have something that is cyclic every single year, and suddenly it just disappears. But they and any reasonable person would say, were those assigned and conflated with the COVID deaths? And therefore, are we really all equally susceptible as a population? Now, there are over 55,000 signatories of medical doctors and scientists, including multiple high-level virologists, immunologists, Nobel Prize winners, to the declaration. But now, individual groups are breaking off, or collecting, I should say, together. They don't, none of them knew each other. They're all mainstream doctors. They're all pro, every single person pro-vaccine, pro-orthodox approaches to medicine, and that's fine. But they're against what is happening, and I've never, ever seen this in American history where so many people are coming forward and it's gaining. One of those individuals is Dr. Mike Yadon, Y-E-A-D-O-N. Are you familiar with him? I am. I, I followed him closely and then saw him be kicked off of Twitter, yes. Yes, he was kicked off. Now, mind you, for those who are not familiar with him, he is the ex-Pfizer Vac, uh, vice president of all their vaccinology. He was, he's not only pro-vaccine, he invented vaccines. He mar helped in the scientific marketing of vaccines. So you don't get a closer seat at the table of power in vaccinology than he. Here's what he just said. I believe it was yesterday. We're going to play you this clip because I'd like your response on this and the fact that, that we're saying, should we have a freedom to not take a vaccine if we believe that that vaccine has not been proven safe or effective based upon true scientific standards, or maybe you're a parent who had a child that got vaccinated and went into autism, or maybe you had a negative effect with the vaccine, or maybe you're immune compromised, like with cancer or lupus, in which case you could have a hyper autoimmune condition and therefore be affected by the vaccine more than the condition you have. So not everyone is equally um, equally going to benefit from a vaccine. And I'm looking at the uh, death toll as of this morning, and we're talking about more than 7,000 deaths. And we're talking about several, almost 400,000 injuries. And mind you, based upon the best evidence we have, the highest degree of actual uh, reporting accurately is 10%, but it's more likely 1%. So you could just multiply that 7,000 by 100 to get a more accurate figure of how many people have actually died. So here's what he has to say, then I would like you to please respond to his comments. I, I would say the uh, 
The hazard of this virus, you know, that is its lethality, is much, much, much less than we thought it was when we stood here a year ago and you locked us down. We've learned that it only, pretty much only, is a threat to the health and kills occasionally people who are very close to end of life. The average age at death of people with COVID has been actually slightly older than the average age at death from any other, all other causes in this country. That must give you pause for thought. It's not taking from us you know, our, our, you know, our young and healthy people the way something like polio might or, you know, other serious infectious diseases. So it's a disease which at most hastens the end of people who are close to or right at the end of life. And therefore, I think now we have provided uh, vaccine protection for every single one of those people who wants it. And we, should, we don't need any additional measures at all. And we should this very day announce, you know, uh, Freedom Day and, and remove masks, every single measure. Uh, and by the way, the ONS and Public Health England data actually says the incidence of the virus in the general population, 1.9 million tests I just mentioned, we're not able to find it. So take care out there, folks, and sorry about the last year. Get on with it. There is, as I said, quite a lot of pressure for people to have a vaccine. I mean, mm. these are complicated issues that most of us that are not uh, epidemiologists, immunologists, really can't make our own mind up about as individuals. We're getting texts, we're getting letters saying, come for your vaccine, it's all ready for you. What would you say to anybody who was considering, well, I'm not sure, this it seems like a bit of a hard sell to me, should I do it or not? Yeah, if you give, give me a second, I will be able to tell you, because I've, I've told a lot of people the, the, the same thing. Uh, sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, what, what bothers me, Mike, is it, it seems like it's, there's actually been subtle pressure put on people just to do it without thinking about it. It's not subtle. So I would say healthy people under 60, it's a lot of us, are at, they're at such low risk from this virus. If you didn't seek a flu vaccine... Don't get a COVID vaccine because if you're under 60 and in good health, you're at greater risk from flu than COVID. That's published information by one of the world's top epidemiologists, Dr. John Ioannidis. So if you're under 60 and good health, don't get the COVID vaccine. Also, I don't believe for a moment if you accept this vaccine, it will hasten the return of freedoms. So if you're doing it for that reason, a non-medical reason, I'm sorry, just look at the number of times the, go the government has moved the goalposts. Look into the eyes of Matthew Hancock. Do you believe what he says? And I don't. And so if you were thinking of getting it so you could go on holiday or go to the pub, what, what an one, what an absurd reason for taking an experimental gene-based vaccine against a disease that you are not at risk from. When I say it like that, you must realize it's just crackers. And that these people have reasons other than your health to, to, that are, that's inspiring them to try and persuade you. Now, I don't know what they are exactly, but they are not good for you. So if you're healthy and under 60, don't do it. You won't get your freedoms back. Uh, and I would say that uh, there are some countries that have already said we don't need vaccine certificates. Uh, I don't know which countries they are. They change from day to day. But I would say feed, the, feed that hand. If, you know, if those people want to take you in without vaccine passport, uh, uh, do that. Uh, I do think certainly younger people like my, my children in their 20s, they are not at measurable risk from this virus at all. Not at all. And therefore, even if you had years of experience with these vaccines, it would just be just like bad economics. But this way, it's bad risk benefit. 
because you, you don't quite know what the safety is, but the safety is not complete. Uh, every medical intervention, whether a tablet, injection, they always come with some measure of risk. So if you're 25 and in perfect health, you, you are not, you're not at measurable risk. You simply can't find anyone of that description who's died. Uh, you had to be seriously ill beforehand. So why in the world would you take an experimental medical treatment that's almost two years from completing its clinical trials? This wasn't uh, an alleged emergency. This, this material would be two years away from even contemplating giving it to you. And then, I, as I said to you earlier, Tony, why are the medical professionals silent? What I've just described, they would never have done this three years ago. It wouldn't take an experimental medicine and give it to people who are not at risk from the, the virus it's meant to immunize you against. They would say, this is a stupid thing to do. Uh, you know, so why are they not saying that? And what about that's people quite, who've actually had COVID? That's just stupid then. You know, everybody, uh, definitely, this is a field I know a lot about. If you have recovered from this respiratory virus, because uh, I've looked at pretty much all the good quality published literature, you are now immune. Uh, and the reason you are is the fact you're still alive. This virus will multiply pretty well uh, in your body. So if you've caught it, it starts to multiply. Most people who are not ill or very old, uh, you will mount an immune response to it. And within days to a couple of weeks at most, you will have overwhelmed it. 99 point whatever, 9% of the time. And it leaves you uh, with both antibodies and what are called T-cells, which remember the encounter and will protect you against it if you see it again or one of its close brothers. So I personally think it's, I think it's actually slightly dangerous to get vaccinated if you've had COVID. I've heard of, and we haven't yet seen the, the results, but we've heard of um, antibody-dependent enhancement. I, I'm not claiming that that is definitely a big risk, but some people believe it's a very big risk. And what it says is if you've had the disease before and you've already got your body primed against it, the fear is that if you have a vaccine, that might actually bring about a worse outcome for you than if you were completely naive. So I think since you don't need it, you don't need to be protected by a vaccine. If you've survived already, your immunity has coped with it. And there is this theoretical risk of antibody dependent enhancement. And as I've said previously, it's an experimental medicine. Maybe you'll be unlucky and get a blood clot and die. Ugh. So, uh, if you so if okay. you've had COVID, don't get. Okay, that's Dr. Michael Yeadon. And remember, he was for over seventeen years one of the two or three world's leading vaccine experts in immunology, and so he knows what he's talking about in virology. That's Dr. Michael Eden. Now, Naomi, would you respond to that and add anything you feel is relevant to the discussion that we're, are we, are we so focused upon getting the vaccine to everyone? Everyone must get a vaccine. Then you've got to get a card or you can't get on an airplane. You can't go out. You can't even go to the beach. In Spain, they made it against the law uh, to not wear a mask, even if you're swimming in the ocean. If you're seen in the ocean swimming, you don't have a mask on. That is insane, but that's what's happening. And in fact, it's taken on a life of its own where people are rushing to get the vaccine. And yet at the same time, they're rushing. There are 19 situations, including in Denmark, Gibraltar, Norway, other countries where the people they vaccinated in nursing homes who were negative COVID became positive and died. Not a word about that in the United States. Please continue. Sure. Well, I'm not a doctor or a specialist like you, but... I am in touch with many uh, of these uh, very distinguished scientists and 
medical professionals from around the world who are really saying the same thing that Michael Eden just said. Um, you mentioned the Great Barrington Declaration, and I've been a fellow at AIER that hosted it, so I've been in conversation. You know, it's a great honor with um, Dr. Sunetra Gupta, uh, Dr. Martin Kuldorf, uh, Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, and you know, they're really saying the same thing. And it's on, and I've seen the peer reviewed studies. So on the basis of that, I'm a healthy 58 year old. There is no way on earth I'm going to take an experimental medical intervention of any kind. And, you know, I, I wrote a book on uh, childbirth in America and I saw perfectly well that, you know, from, you know, excess C-sections to uh, silicone breast implants to, you know, Mirena IUDs that perforate the uterus and on and on and on, um, human beings and especially women in the past have been, you know, really guinea pigs for the pharmaceutical industry and for the medical establishment in general. I mean, the, you know, industrial medical establishment. So there's no reason, you know, to trust a, an unnecessarily, an unnecessary tested medical intervention that has FDA approval, let alone one whose trials won't end in 2023. I mean, that's just, again, I'm not a doctor, but, but why, right? I mean, all of the things you've, you've said and that Dr. Eden has said and, and all the peer reviewed studies show that doing what I'm doing, which is, you know, sun, vitamin D, socializing and not breathing directly in the face of someone with symptoms <laughs> is, you know, what has to be done to, to keep me safe. So there's no way that I personally would, would do that. Um, that said, and, you know, I've also heard these distinguished scientists say that 20-year-olds have no reason, as you said, or as Dr. Eden said, no reason to take this uh, experimental treatment. And yet um, Cornell, Northwestern, Rutgers, uh, all these universities are rushing to say they won't let students back on campus, which is such a violation of the Americans with Disabilities Act, you know, the First Amendment, the Fourth Amendment. Uh, you know, HIPAA law, so many laws are being broken in this um, rush to embrace a biofascist state based on vaccine status. I guess to me as a political analyst, you know, when when Michael Eden said, I don't know why, um, there there are good reasons to be very concerned about who's behind this drive. Uh, my a husband who's a really good private investigator just located a $300 million partnership between Bill Gates and the Chinese Communist Party to basically monopolize health as well as farmland um, in the developing world. And Gates has other close, close ties and investments with both pharmaceutical uh, vaccines, basically. He's invested in the vaccines and he's... He, He's closely partnered with with China in, you know, in health, what is the word, uh, monetization. And China has a white paper that basically says that by 2025, they want to be or their intention is to be the superpower, um, basically being the gatekeeper for all the rest of the world via medical biodata um, and, and via the monetization and the commodification of DNA, of pharmaceuticals, of our, you know, genetic imprint and so on. That's that's not a conspiracy theory, even though as you and I discussed, Wikipedia has formally assigned me to the ranks of conspiracy theorists. That is based on the CCP's own white paper, which I, you know, I've seen and confirmed. And um, and if you, you know, I've gone through Bill Gates's 990s, and it's everything we're seeing. It's money to K through 12. 
it's money to community organizations. It's, it's why is the mainstream media not covering any of these harms? Well, the New York Times gets tens of millions of dollars from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So does NPR. So does The Guardian. The Telegraph gets $3.4 million. Annually, CDC Foundation, 12 to $17 million a year from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, not to mention the pharmaceutical industry. So there's a you know closed circle, as you and I mentioned when we chatted before we formally began talking, um, of influence in which... Uh, but some bad actors, notably Bill Gates, who is a sociopath, right? I mean, I've I've thoroughly reported him out and he does not have the kind of empathy and respect for human rights that most people in the West has um, for whatever reason. I don't want to speculate, but he he has no compunction experimenting on on children and on human bodies. He's he's invested also in um, managing uh, fertility, right? So one of the things as a feminist analyst I'm really concerned about is that these new vaccines, especially the mRNA-based one, which really isn't a vaccine, um, there's no data showing that it's safe for lactating women, safe for fetuses, uh, safe for pregnant women. And if it crosses the blood-brain barrier, which it does, it's going to cross the amniotic barrier, Right. So we're we're experimenting on on fetuses and, and there's you know, we don't know what those kids, what their state will be like, you know, t 10 months from now when they're born and developing. It is a complete experiment on human beings. But I guess the big picture is who profits, um, you know, the Bill and Melinda Gates profit economically. Uh, China profits. They're up 32 percent while our Western economies have crashed. Right. And five or six other tech bros who are also up uh, double to triple digit billions since the pandemic began, as we are all forced on technology, they profit. And I'm sorry to say, you know, in, in Britain, the, the people leading this are Tories. In Canada, it's, it's Trudeau. Uh, in in Germany, it's Merkel. Unfortunately, in our in our country, the United States, and I'm a Democrat. You know, it seems like the Dems are in bed with these bad forces and are keeping kids from going back to school, forcing mask mandates, uh, you know, supporting emergency law, and so on. So it's a, a hideous uh, mess of allied bad actors, and their goal is to suppress our freedoms, and they're doing it through invading our bodies and managing our bodies. Thank you. I appreciate that overview. A brand new article by Professor Martin Kaldorf, K-U-L-L-D-O-R-F-F. -F. And he is a distinguished uh, scholar. Uh, he is uh, up at Harvard. And he's suggesting very clearly that, uh, that to the United Kingdom government and its scientific advisors, who they should be listening to and what they should be doing. And it does not include vaccinating the entire population, including children. He said this on March 15th, quote, thinking that everybody must be vaccinated is scientifically flawed as thinking that nobody should. COVID vaccines are important for older high-risk people and their caretakers. Those with prior natural infection do not need it, nor children, end quote. Well, as he is suggesting, we should have open, honest debate. We're not. We're closing everyone down. I mean, everybody who questions anything. But it goes further. In the new uh, cancel culture, they're wanting to make any speech that challenges the official word 
the narrative of Anthony Fauci and Bill Gates and anyone else involved as a almost equivalent to a hate crime that you're so irresponsible if you question the authorities that uh, you should not have any form. And as a result, all of those big tech companies you just referred to are making billions of dollars, in some cases hundreds of billions in profits, and controlling the Internet. They're censoring everyone. Here are yeah. some of the people you will not see out there. Chris Hedges, Cornell West. Um, Blumenthal, Glenn Greenwald, Matt Taibbi. Now, what are all those individuals? And they're just a sample. You're also added to that list, if I'm sure that you've seen. What do all these people have in common? Because even though they're all historically politically liberal, they are not corporate Democrats. They are not a part of the Bell and Hillary Clinton a group. Instead, or the Barack Obama boot, they're looking for the truth and what should be policies that represent fairness and freedom for all people. And as a result, that's just too much truth. So their articles are censored, they're deplatformed, and then ask any of them. Ask Robert Kennedy, when was the last time you got a lecture gig? When was the last time you got a book contract? Unless you want to publish your own book on Amazon, good luck with that. So we're seeing that the people who are both charismatic, very intelligent, and most importantly, unwilling to compromise on matters of truth, that these people now are not to be heard. Exactly the opposite of what this professor from Harvard has had to say. And by the way, as you mentioned, uh, Dr. Yeaton also has been taken off um, Facebook and Twitter, and now the attacks against them. So there's two stages. My God, this is like bread baiting in the 1940s and early 50s under McCarthyism. First, they, they take you off so you have no form. And then they go on attacks. You start getting inundated day and night and attacks. And what is the one place they attack people most with the greatest uh, damage? Wikipedia. They control Wikipedia. You have no control over anything. It's just said that is mischaracterizing you or your reputation. You can't change it. How do we know? Because we've had hundreds who've tried. Not a single person has been able to change a single thing in their, in their bios uh, that was inaccurate. So this is a concerted effort. This is malice of forethought. This is an organized cabal of people saying, we don't like what you're saying. You're a threat, so we're going to destroy you. We're going to put you in a perpetual uh, Internet gulag. Yep. Nobody will know where you're at. Nobody will know anything about you except we what we choose to cast you as, and we're going to cast you as a bad person. And that's happening across the board to every scientist, every physician. The difference is now there's probably all told around 100,000 worldwide who are angry about the misinformation on COVID and what's wrong with COVID, but they're still going after every single one. Your thoughts, please. I mean, I, I entirely agree with you. Sadly, mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm among the people who used to be a media darling until I began to um, report, I mean, really do some of the best reporting of my career uh, showing that, for instance, the PCR tests are horribly flawed, as many distinguished scientists have shown, and generating false positives to scale. Um, and and since I began, you know, reporting objectively on, uh, you know, what what I'm calling this wave of biofascism, and I've now been deplatformed five times from every major social media platform. I found out yesterday that Facebook 
um, took down my page with 130,000 followers, really for no reason. They claimed I used music that isn't mine. I never even use music, so I have no idea what they're talking about. And as you say, there's no appeal. Uh, I'm a Rhodes Scholar, Yale-educated, um, Oxford-educated, former consultant to a president and a vice president, the first thing you see now on my Wikipedia page is that I've been called a conspiracy theorist. Like there's literally no end of the attacks and, um, and, and Martin Kulldorff and other brave scientists have endured similar, but it's getting really scary. I mean, reputational attacks are no fun. Being deplatformed is, is really serious. Uh, but I just heard from Simon Gadecki, who is one of these very courageous scientists, a, a Dutch uh, a scientist biologist who um, spoke out against the flawed peer review process that led to the adoption of the flawed PCR tests, which are the basis of this whole, you know, inflated pandemic, the inflated data. Um, he was went to get a visa at an unnamed city where he's living. And at the at the Dutch uh, government office, they said, oh, you're the crazy person. We're not going to issue you a visa today. So this is just a, a, a preview of what our lives are going to be like with a vaccine passport in which we can get switched from not positive to positive or from vaccinated to unvaccinated with the flick of Microsoft's back end you know, algorithm. And that means, you know, no travel, no visa, no vote, no food, no clothing. Um, I mean, they're already trying to say in Britain that you can't go clothing shopping without a vaccine passport. So, you know, this is, I mean, I'm just going to say it because this is where we're at. This is an attack on the West. Um, it's, a, it's an attack. It's an effort by a small group of interested parties, including, I am absolutely persuaded, the one superpower that's not in the West to close, you know, to make the whole world be like China and to turn us into digital serfs forever and to use our bodies to do so. So we have to mobilize. Just what does this mean for the way our lives could radically change within the very next, let's say the next year to two years, based upon what we've been force fed to believe about uh, the COVID vaccine and not receiving or receiving it, as far as that leading us into the great reset trap. Well, you know, now is the time to panic. Honestly, now is the time to organize. There is no time left at all. Uh, it is clear. I think it's it's obvious. The hand has been shown that um, the populations of the West are being okay. driven into what at first I thought was a lunatic marginal theory, but seems obviously to be indeed the plan of the World Economic Forum, Bill Gates. Uh, China um, to uh, to to close off our way of life and to uh, to push us into a kind of great reset model and um, we don't have a year you know we don't have a month uh, what people have to do is you know what we're doing at Daily Clout it has to be replicated everywhere people have to insist on assembling that's number one insist on reclaiming human spaces insist on going to town hall meetings going to church going to synagogue meet you know exceeding the limits on assembly in their homes like through an illegal you know potluck um, people have to mass protest they have to gather they have to get out of the house habit of being, you know, mediated through Zoom. Uh, and they have to immediately start mobilizing at the state level in the United States to pass these laws. You know, again, the five freedoms are a great model, um, you know, with their state legislators to protect them at the state level. Uh, and they have to uh, teach their kids, you know, uh, homeschool their kids if their schools do not open, start prosecuting people criminally for 
colluding with suppressing our rights, which is, um, you know, actionable. It's treason, which is a capital offense. It's very serious. Uh, and, and, you know, what I do know from having engaged in politics at the very highest levels, it's, it's when tyrants are faced with a mob, again, peaceful, uh, you know, pushing to, to bring, as you're doing, lawsuits or criminal charges and to unseat them in elections and to investigate them, that's when people start to back off. It's been a year. This It's been all, you know, no holds barred, billions of dollars to enslave the world within a year. Um, and they haven't entirely succeeded yet. And that's due to a handful of brave people. Like, honestly, I'll say you, me, and, you know, like literally a hundred other thought leaders who are not complying as well as, you know, About millions of left, people Gary. on the ground who, who, who are in, in, informally supporting, uh, you know, the things we're talking about. So we have to organize immediately. There's no time to waste. And, and also speak up for, you know, democracy, freedom, and our way of life in the West, because it's, you can be anti-racist and still say, you know what, democracy, freedom, uh, separation of powers, the whole, you know, free speech, the whole heritage we have in the West is a good thing. And we need to protect it. We don't want to be China. Uh, Thank you so much, Gary. Sadly, I have to hop off, but it's been such a pleasure talking to you. I look forward to our next conversation. So do I. And thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you so Dr. Na- much. Dr. Naomi Wolf. Now, time for talk back. Your thoughts. Give us a call, 888-874. That's 888-874-4888. And by the way, while you're calling in, uh, we're going to have to do a break away from our sister station, WBAI, in just about 20 seconds because they're going to do the news to the top of the show. But we're going to continue for the next seven, eight minutes with your calls. If you have something to say based upon what has been said today, Please call 888-874-4888 and we'll go to you. In Italy, two more teachers dead right after the AstraZeneca COVID shot. That's just one example of what's happening, not reported. Also, according to the Children's Health Defense, um, Megan Redshaw, teen diagnosed with Guillain-Barre weeks after first COVID vaccine, the previously completely healthy teenager said he believes the vaccine caused him to develop the rare neurological disorder. Okay. and But mind you, doctors are going to say everything is a coincidence. Well, it's not a coincidence. And on our next program, we're going to deconstruct some of the arguments used by the apologists for AstraZeneca and the other companies uh, because we believe that there's a lot that uh, they're doing that is destructive in getting people to line up to get the vaccines without ever asking What does the actual science show will be there for us? So that's important. And also, um, this is from Washington Editor, uh, MedPage, AstraZeneca vax trial halted in kids. Quote, an official of the European Medical Agency said he believes there is a link between the AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine and blood clots. Okay. So why isn't that being uh, put the foot on the brakes? But it isn't too much money to be made. And we're going to see as your calls come in, we'll be happy to take them. Um, let's see if we have one up now. And I'll ask if we have Jesse. Do we have a call on? We'll be happy to take him. Not just this moment. Okay. Miguel. Miguel, your turn. Hi. Hi, Hi Miguel. Hi, your turn. Hi. Yes. Hi, yes. 
Yes, I've been meaning to call in for a little while. I've been listening to your show for uh, a while. I even went to the Freedom uh, protest, and one of my um, just a little nervous, but uh, so I'm I'm in New Jersey. I'm a businessman. I've been uh, you know have a lot to lose, and I. I said I had to get to that protest, but I only heard it through you. And um, it's not what my point is. How do we get we, we hear the call to organize and, and protest? But um, I was hoping that there's some way that maybe you can put some information out on groups that we can uh, align ourselves with or upcoming protests. Or when I was at the protest as well, um, I was looking for alternative information because it's so hard to find and there's. You know, you have to get off of Google and use some other apps or um, some stuff. Okay, so, here's, uh, here's what we're going go to ahead. do, Miguel. I didn't organize that. Uh, I simply supported the efforts of others. But very shortly, we'll be doing some of exactly what you're suggesting. When I come back to the city, we're going to do several demonstrations. When we do the demonstrations, we'll be hang, handing out literature. We'll also introduce you to a group of lawyers because we're bringing lawsuits. We're bringing lawsuits against the CDC, Bill Gates, FDA. There are going to be a lot of lawsuits, and a lot of these are being coordinated by uh, the lawyer Fulmich in Germany, who's already sued the country of Norway uh, for crimes against humanity. We're going to be giving out literature on the fact that we are still obligated uh, to not allow our bodies to be used in experiments, and that goes clear back to uh, 19. Uh, 1919, and we'll give you the laws on that, the sanctity of our body. So everything you're asking, we'll have that. There were agent provocateurs starting fights later in the day at that, and we'll also have uh, a way of identifying the agent provocateurs because there's always going to be these plants who come in who want to disrupt. But our message will get out, and we're going to win through lawsuits. We're not, unfortunately, as she said, and she's right, we're not going to win through uh, demonstrations. They simply don't care. They don't give any respect to what we're doing. So we will see them in court, and we believe that we have strong enough evidence to win. Thank you, Miguel, for your uh, call. I, just want to I look forward to sharing more with you tomorrow. Have a nice day, everyone.